Welcome to Real Black Consciousness Forum Podcast. Thanks for listening and remember to like, share, and comment on the content. Hit that notification tab, so you will know when new content has been uploaded. And now your host, Big VJ. Welcome back to the podcast. Beloved, this is indeed your brother Big VJ checking in. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about the Israelites. It's going to be like a biblical conversation, right? We're going to talk about the Israelites. Um, We're also going to talk about Yahweh, the war guy. We're going to talk about what else we got on the plate today. We may throw in uh, a little bit of Moses and him leaving the Israelites, leaving Egypt, right? We're going to talk about the possible military that was already in the land of Egypt. Uh, What else we got on the plate? Uh, I don't want to forget nothing. We're going to talk about the land of Canaan, who had the land first, who took it from who. So we're going to talk about a whole host of things, right? Because what we're really doing is this. Beloved, we're going to piggyback on the conversation that we had in which we discussed how the Semitic people took the land of Canaan away from the original people. And we're using like it's like a blueprint that they that they use. You know what I'm saying? And in the biblical text, it's all allegory. None of the stuff is it didn't happen for real. So in the comments, we got one of our brothers to respond, right? His name is uh Moray Jacob, right? Moray Jacob responded in the comments. And you know, sometime in the comments, you can't get all your thoughts out because there's just so many words you can type and you're just trying to you know you have an idea of what you want to say but it's you can communicate but our brother took it one step further right so there's a video on youtube it's called israelites are not all israelites part eight the name of the channel was uh it ftr network and if you're able to do so, beloved, not only check out the response video that this brother made concerning something that we made, you know, subscribe to the channel. We're going to have the link of the video you know, in the description box so you can check it out in its entirety. It's like three hours long. He did something like pretty cool. Like he he will let us say so much and then he will give us rebuttal, which is something that we wanted to do ourselves. The video was kind of long to do that. It's a little lengthy to do that. So we just take the points in which he was dissecting what we were saying and we respond to him. When we seen the video, beloved, uh, we were humble. You know what I'm saying? I was like, man, he did a good job. We were humble. <laughs> we were humble because, Dick, like, first of all, this podcast, like, the comments is the engine in the feud to the machine. That's how we rock over here. We were humble because when somebody give an answer to a position, it's almost like mathematics because we're going to do a lot of mathematics in this conversation today because the truth is always brought out through mathematics, right? When the brother was speaking, though, you know, man, I mean, I, I can't say it enough. Like, man, you know, we was impressed, bro. We was like, yo, we was we get to see how he came to his conclusion. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to show how we got to our conclusion this is like mathematics you know like you come up in grade school and you got an answer but the teachers say no show me how you got to that answer so you just they know you're not copying off somebody else you're not regurgitating what somebody else did you're just not looking at somebody else's paper they say show me work out that problem in front of me so i can see how you got to that answer and then they can say, oh, once they see how you got to an answer that they may be different than theirs, right? Because we don't want to, we talk in religion, we don't say who got the correct one or wrong one. We can say, well, this is how I got to that answer. You dig? So that's what we're going to do today. And, and again, being that we talk about the biblical text, we talk an allegory. So let's just put our position on the table first, right? Here on this podcast, Real Black Conscious Forum, we feel as though that when you read the Semitic biblical text, it belongs to the Semitics. Original people did not write this book. The Semitics wrote it. Original people just believe it. We did not write it, right? Let's put that on the table first. So when we say, or we reference this book as the word of God, it is absolutely the word of God, according to the Semitics. Not you, 
original people did not write it we do not have the power to put a comma anywhere to dictate what is a chapter what is not what is a sentence what is not we just don't do that it's not it's not our book when you go into the book of the semantics you will see it's a story form it's poetic they paint pictures with words it's all allegory which means that the conversation that we're going to have today when we start talking about Noah, Ham, Sham, and JFF, this allegory, those people never existed. That's the position on this platform. They never existed. Nobody, there's no atoms. There's no, uh, you know, there's no, there's no garden of Eden. That's just allegory. You know what I mean? There's no talking serpents and snakes and all of that. That's allegory. There's no, nobody's in the lion's den and you know, there's no human being that live in the belly of a whale for three days. They the the uh, great fish spit him out. He can run around. All, all of that is allegory. It didn't happen in real life. It's not real. That's our position. If you have a different position, we are totally okay with that. You know, we are totally okay if you think that a group of people ran to the border of a shore, of an ocean, of a river, and the sea opened up and they walked across on the dry land. And then if you look that, we're, we're okay with that. If you believe that happened, we're totally okay with that. If you believe that a group of people lived in the desert and manna fell out, fell out of the sky so they can have something to eat, we're totally okay with that. We just, that's not our position here. So we're okay with having a conversation about it, though. That's no problem. Um, so we everything is happening after the flood that we're going to talk about today. Now, our brothers say, well, indigenous people wrote about the flood. This is true. Right, indigenous people have writings about a massive flood. The world, beloved, it never stopped flooding. We still get floods to this day. We just seen what happened in Louisiana not that many years ago. We seen the tsunami that happened in the east. So the world always have floods, but there is no, not one indigenous group that wrote about a flood that it was such to the magnitude that a boat, a ship, a ark had to be built to not only save humanity, but to save the animals as well. That didn't exist. There's no indigenous group that wrote about a flood that, that happened to the magnitude in which the waters went up almost above the mountains of the earth and flooded everything. It, it just never happened. This is what we call beloved allegory. Some people may call it conjecture. Okay, which is cool. We just save our conjecture for later. And then we just talk about the verses that um, we're not going to bring any new verses up. We're just going to go over the verses that we can remember that the brother used to show that we, we can use the same verses. And we're going to show we just come to a different conclusion with the very same verses. But we're going to try these verses with mathematics. We're just going to put mathematics with the verses, right? We showed a video of our people shouting, jumping around, showing a high level of emotionalism, right? The question came, are our people jumping, shouting, and showing this high level of emotionalism because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Well, we look at it like this, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the fathers of a people that invaded original people. They're the fathers of invaders. They're the fathers of raiders. Um, I opened up the video with a, a spiritual of crossing the River Jordan. Of course, our people celebrate these folks. They're singing spirituals with their names in it. What is crossing the River Jordan? What is that an indication of? What is crossing the River Jordan? Our people celebrate these folks. We're named after them. You can go to any neighborhood in the wilderness of North America in the territory that we call the United States. And when you get around original people, the, the religious houses named New Bethlehem, New Galilee, uh, Abraham, this and that, uh, Jacob Baptist. We're na we name everything after these folks. We look up to these people. I don't know. Maybe I don't like it's a different story for a different day. 
let's talk about who the land of Canaan originally belonged to, right? Let's go to the book of Jubilees because we was instructed to go to the book of Jubilees because the position that our brother have is that this. He said, you know, the land of Canaan didn't belong to the original people. It belonged to the Semitic people first. And then what happened is that Canaan seen it, he took it. And we just see the Semitics later taking their land back from the original people. So we was instructed to go to the book of Jubilees and we could find the authentic story there. So we're there. We have book of uh, Jubilees chapter 10. We're going to start right around. I want to say the 28th verse. We may walk it down to about, I want to say the 31st verse, right? Let, let's do that. And Ham and his sons went into the land which he was to occupy. Uh, which he occupied as his portion in the land of the south. All right, let me go back just a little bit because the way that it's set up is that these folks went to uh, Shinar. They created or tried to put together the Tower of Babel. And then after leaving the Tower of Babel, the language is, is confounded. They went to their respective lots that was assigned to them. And on the way back from the Tower of Babel, because we're going to talk chronology now, on the way back, this is when Canaan seen the land of Shem and he just took it at that point. Now, let's just back up and we're going to show this is what we call allegory. The Tower of Babel, we know didn't exist as allegory, right? So if we just put mathematics to the story and we just walk and put some mathematics to the story, we would say what, beloved? Uh, with two, what, three, or maybe three or four generations removed from the flood, how many people do you think is because we need manpower to build anything and we're talking about building a tower so high it's going to go to the heavens so how much manpower or people that you think is existing on the planet three four generations away from the flood that the manpower is there to build a tower to such that manner to that degree let's talk let's put it next to mathematics because you know when you kind of read the text they were building cities and they was building the time like bro how many people there's <laughs> not enough people there to do that it's not, it's not enough people to do that. We, we just got off an ark. We're three, four generations removed from the ark. Man, we gotta. We haven't even figured out the farming hustle just yet. We haven't figured out what water is, is that we can actually drink because the fresh water and the salt water mixed up through this flood. So we haven't even figured out the basics of life just yet. But we got time to build it so we can just see his allegory. The mathematics is not there. Nevertheless, we go along with the story, right? We go on, We want to give no conjecture. We we'll save our conjecture for later. And Canaan saw the land of Lebanon to the river of Egypt. What land did he see? He seen the land of Lebanon. Uh, why did they even call the place Lebanon? We're talking the Book of Jubilees now. Why did they even call the place Lebanon if it belonged to a son of Shem? It should have been called Canaan saw the land of Peleg. Canaan saw the land of Selah. Canaan saw the land of. It should have been one of the Semitic tribes right there who land he seen but i think it's interesting that the writer first off he called the land lebanon which we know lebanon that land is named after the children of the canaanites these are the lebanese people ancestors are the canaanites people why, why would it even be called that maybe that's a different story for a different day but we're all fig we figured it all out today that it was very good and he, and he went not into the land of his inheritance to the west, that is to the sea. And he dwelt in the land of Lebanon, eastward and westward from the border of Jordan and from the border of the sea. And Ham, his father, and Cush, and Mezarim, his brother, said unto him, Thou hast settled in a land which is not thine. They talking to Canaan, right? And which did not fall to us by lot. Do not do so, for if thou doest do so, thy and all thy sons, I want to put, I put all in there, let me take that back. Thou and thy sons will fall in the land and be accursed through sedition. For by sedition ye have settled, and by sedition will thy children fall, and thou shalt be rooted out forever. Let's go to the 31st verse, we close out with this. Dwell not in the dwelling of Shem. For to Shem and to his sons did it come by their lot. All right. That's the story. 
the land belonged to one of the children of Shem. We don't know who. I guess we just we here today. We'll figure it out. And Cain has seen it on the way back from Babel, and then he swagger jack and took the land there. All right, okay. Um let's go back. Let's go to the book of Genesis and let's take a look and see who was given what from the very beginning in terms of the lots that was passed out. And that way it can bring some clarity because the book of Jubilee is called, it's often called the little Genesis, right? So let's just go to the real Genesis and let's see if this story lines up with the real Genesis. So let's go to Genesis 10. Let's see what we got. Let's go up here and make it happen. Let's see. We're in Genesis 10. And when you start at Genesis 10 and 1, it says, Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And unto them were sons born after the flood, right? Uh, this is when you see, they call this the Tower of Nations. This is when you see every son get their portion. They get their lot. They get their territory. Uh, we can jump down to Genesis 10 and 19 and we can show the lot, uh, the portion in which Canaan got. Before we do that, let's just bump back just up a little bit and let's go to um, verse 8. And it said, Cush begot Nimrod, he began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. 10th verse. And the beginning of his kingdom underline that in the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erek and Akkad and Kelna in the land of Shinar right now this is the beginning of Nimrod's kingdom so we're going to just kind of do chronological order they're just a settlement now because the way the book of Jubilees put it is that after they left the tower of Babel after they're leaving the Tower of Babel, Canaan come back. He scope out some land. He swagger jack one of the Shemitics folks land after they're coming back. But if we just go down to the 19th verse and it says, And the border of the Canaanites was from Zidon, as thou comest to Gear unto Gaza, as thou goest unto Sodom and Gomorrah, and Adma and Zibion and Lasha. Okay, let's completely stop. He was already given his land already. And you can see the borders that Canaan was already, he was already in his spot. We can also see when we stroll up, because this is what we say allegory, because everything is in mathematics, beloved. It's not that really, you know, it's everything is mathematics. We bump back up and we see it's the 70 nations. It's the 70. These are the 70 sons. They get their own lot. They get their own nations. How do we get Nimrod in the 10th verse? He can build a kingdom. How many people is on the planet? What are we, right? We three, four generations removed from the ark. And it's a king. What is, how many people do you think is on the planet? We go to the next chapter and we see they building the, the Tower of Babel. I mean, how many, because we're talking manpower. We're talking about, we're throwing the word around like they're building cities and this and that. So I'm like, okay, cool. But how many people do you think the manpower is not there to build a bunch of cities? The manpower is not there. We see it's allegory. We can go to the very beginning of the story in Genesis. Something happened between two brothers. Okay, one of the brothers killed the other brothers. Buddy jump up, he run off, and he do what? He build a city. Build a city? What? What do you mean build a city? The manpower's not even there. We know what it really is saying because it's allegory. This is why we say so many of these things. It's, just, it's not real. It's there to teach a hidden message to a culture that wrote it. But let's, let's just talk about the land of Canaan, right? Because we're just going to we're going to bump it up next to mathematics. Um, we can see the border where, where the brother was put at. He was put there. It's only 70 seats. It's only 70 nations. The beginning of the world, according to the Semitic text, began with 70 nations. These nations are the sons of Noah. And this is where they get their assigned seating at right here. This is where they handed their assigned seating. Now, this is how that works, beloved. Let's play along with the story with the Book of Jubilees. Let's play along. 
if we all got an assigned seat and we in class, we had a college campus, right? It's a family oriented college campus. And we all go to the lunchroom because the way the book of Jubilees is saying they got assigned seating, they went to the lunchroom, which is the Tower of Babel, to build something. The language got confounded on the way back from the lunchroom, on the way back from the Tower of Babel. It's like Canaan jumped in the wrong seat. That's like I'm coming back, I jump in the wrong seat, and my pops tell me, V, son, you sitting in the wrong seat. But I say, nah, I'm gonna sit here anyway because this seat is close to the window. You know what I'm saying? It's a good view, just that and the third. When you have a seating chart, beloved, you're gonna throw off everybody else. It would have been a disruption. If one person is assigned seating of 70, right? If one person sit in the wrong seat, everybody else is gonna be thrown off their seat. So the question is, well, who's sitting, who's not sitting in their seat no more? If Canaan is sitting in the wrong seat, that means you should be able to identify and say, um, he's sitting in the seat of Peleg. He's sitting in the seat of Selah. He's in the land of Aram. He's in the land of, but it doesn't happen. Sham got 26 nations. He got 26. It's 26 nations already. Whose seat is Canaan sitting in? It doesn't exist. This is why we don't really rock with the Book of Jubilees. We like, bro, because it's called the Little Genesis. It doesn't give no new information. Y'all, I'm, I'm gonna go one step further, and this is our position on this podcast. You know, we're not nobody leading teaching God when it comes to Semitic matters. The, in our estimate, though, the Book of Jubilees was made for this. The rabbis wanted to clear up the image of Yahweh because Yahweh is a war God. He is a war deity, right? You have to think about it. You know. To earn the man's trust, you know, he was getting Abraham to get on board with him. He sold Abraham that he was going to bless the descendants with the land and, you know, all of this. And to prove his loyalty, he said, all right, go tie up your son and kill him. What did, what this, <laughs> this is, this is how you will have to show a war deity your loyalty. Now, the book of Jubilees introduces another deity Mastema Mastema is like a demonic angel so what what this does is that everything that Yahweh did now it wasn't Yahweh that did it the book of Jubilees is playing a cleanup game saying oh it was Mastema that did that so they go to different stories you know uh, uh, Moses was on the way back and Yahweh was going to slay him you know what I mean? They go back to the Isaac story. Yahweh was going to, Abraham was going to slay Isaac. Then he was stopped. They, they pick a bunch of stories out and then they say, no, it wasn't Yahweh. It was Mastema that was doing that. It was Mastema that was going to slay uh, Moshe or Moses or Musa. It wasn't Yahweh. It was, uh, no, there wasn't a challenge that was made by Yahweh to do that to his son Isaac. That was Mastema doing that. It's a cleanup game now. It just didn't work. Look, look, let me show you something else that you show. Because there's another verse that you gave. Hold on. And I was like, uh, in a weird kind of way, I was like, man, you know, the brother's kind of answering his own questions. Before we move further, it's only 70 nations. 70. If Canaan is in the wrong land, the seating chart is he would have threw everything else off. Nothing else was thrown off, right? Let's talk about that. Uh, you brought up uh, what Exodus that the Israelites had an army in the land. Let's talk about the army they got in the land. Let's go to Exodus 12. Let me see something. My brother was showing us that uh, when you go to his video and make sure you check it out. It's like um, it's like three hours long. It's called Israelites are not all Israelites part eight. And he gives a, a good breakdown in which he was deciphering some, some things we were talking about. And in that, he was uh, demonstrating that Israel had an army, right? The Israelites had an army in Egypt. So the queen had read one verse and then she ended up going to a, another verse. I can't remember that one. But let's just go to the one that I can remember. You dig what I'm saying? And let me see if I can find the verse he was talking about. It's the. Uh, let me see where we at. All right, all right, all right. This is it right here. 
let's go to let's go to Exodus, pardon me, 37 verse, right? This is Exodus 12, uh, verse 37. Let me go back to the 35th verse, right? And it says, and the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and rained it. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Do you know what that means when they say somebody spoiled the Egyptians? They stole from them. It was a hustle on their way out. They start borrowing, 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 and then they booked it. That's how when they get into the desert, they have so much gold. They can build calves. They can build the Ark of the Covenant. I think it's a lamp they built. And as they went into the land of Canaan to take it, they had so much gold. They probably could have bought it legally, honestly. But no, it wasn't the play. It was the play was uh, they went in as invaders to take the land, right? We just seen that Canaan was given the land first. Genesis 10 bet it out. So that means that Jubilees 10 is just a deviation, right? All right, let's go down to, let's talk about the army, right? Because these uh, shepherd people and these goat people, they got a big army in Egypt now. So let's talk about the big army. Uh, 37 verse. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. So the children of Israel journeyed, they 600,000 deep, underline that. 600,000 600,000 on foot were men right we see that okay 38 verse and a mixed multitude went up also with them and flocks and herds even very much cattle uh let's bump it down to the 40th verse now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwell in Egypt was 430 years I want you to underline that also Right And this is why we say On this podcast This is all allegory Never happened Now let, let's back Let's just start here and we'll back up Right Um, Because the position is You know Israel has such a strong Strong military And military force Whether it was in Kemet and the story goes to say that, you know, we're talking about one of the greatest original dynasties that the planet ever seen, the land of Kemet, right? The infrastructure that they built thousands of years ago is still here today, right? Okay. They was uh, they seen a minority group, which is the Israelites, their budding in population. This is the story that we get that we're getting, right? And then so much so that this the greatest nation. One of the greatest nations that this planet ever seen. It feared them. It feared this group of sheep herders and goat herders and all of this. That one day they would be more mightier than them. So they act wisely, right, to put the people in servitude. This is the story. And this is all the exodus they had to leave. And Okay. We've seen the movie. We've seen Charleston Houston. Yeah. Okay. We've seen it all. Let's talk about the 430 years that they were there. Uh, so let's put the mathematics on it, right? How do you get how do you get 430 years? I've been saying this for over 10 years. How do you get 430 years in the land of Egypt, in the land of Kemet? How do you get it? Because I don't get it. When did they go into Egypt? When did they go? They had a famine, right? This is the story we're going to play along. There was a story that the old man Jacob. Him and his house went into Egypt, right? Because it was a story. Joseph got sold, and then Joseph, you know, and then later, you know, the father came, Jacob, and you know, this and that. Uh, what is Jacob's house? Well, his immediate house is what? He got 13 kids by four different baby mamas. Talking to Jacob. He was like the future before future. You know what I mean? He was maybe like the uh <laughs> the Sean Kemp before Sean Kemp. He was a man with multiple baby mamas before it was cool. He's the originator, right? 13 children because they are patriarchal, 12 in which the sons are most recognized. They don't recognize Denia. Four baby mamas. They go into the land of Kemet, right? Okay, so let's just count the generations up. 
Moses, we know, genealogy-wise, he come from the line of Levi because this is where the priests come from, right? That's why him and Aaron is the priest. So you got Levi, and he has a son named Kohath. Kohath have a son called Aram, and then Aram has a son called Moses. So we talking one, two, one, one son, one son. I just, that's not, I'm just doing the math in my head. That's not 430 years. Because by the time Moses is an adult, he walking the people out of there. When you put mathematics to things, you clearly can see the story is not, it's an allegory story. 400, how do you get 430 years there? You're not there for 430 years. Let's back up a little bit, right? I'm gonna show you how you just put mathematics to things. There was a man that came amongst us and he said, with mathematics, you can prove it in no limited time. But once you learn it, you must use to secure some benefits that while you're living. Luxury, money, good homes, and friendships, all walks of life. You can put mathematics in anything to see, to find the truth of a matter, right? Okay, let's bump it back up and let's go to the verse where it says, because the Israelites got this big old strong army in Egypt all of a sudden. The, the goat herders, right? Um, listen, let, let me say this a little bit. Let me back up. You know, we're talking about the original man royalty at a high, at the highest level when we start talking about Kemet. So much so that even in their own Semitic book, they didn't even eat with these folks. That's why they put them in Goshen. It's like, man, throw them up there. They just goat herders, these shepherd boys and all that. They not. We talking about the highest level of technology when you start talking about Kemet, bro. That's the high. That's you talking about pyramids and you talking about infrastructure that lives today. The world over, go travel and see these great monuments that they built. Okay, so we read a story about the shepherd people became a threat. Ow. But they got a great military. All right. 37 say 600,000. We're talking about the children of Israel journeyed. This is the children of Israel. A family group, a tribe. We know that tribe and family is synonymous. It's the same thing. It's a family group. One family group of 600,000 people. Just the men, not including the women and kids. But you know what, beloved? The mathematics don't say that. See, when you have a family tree, beloved, your family tree is really a mathematic tree, right? So to get you as a human person, that means you had to have two parents, the two parents, now you got the four grandparents, then you got the four go to eight, then you got the eight go to 16. Listen, beloved, then you got the 16 and go to 32, 32 go what? The six, it, keep, it keep doubling up all the way up. Meaning to get one of you it took this many people in your family line and your family number line to produce you. In other words, in, in order to get a family group of 600,000 people at one time, it had to be millions of people there to produce 600,000. The problem is these folks told us how many people they came in the land with. They told us they came in the land with like 70 people. So the numbers don't even mix. This is why we encourage our people. You say, man, we can't, you know, you can't be no service reader. You got to know an allegory when you see one. You got to know a, a, a story in a poem when you see one. You got to know factual information when you see it, bro. It's not enough people to produce 600,000. So they kind of throw in the word. They say it was a mixed multitude. They try to, to, to beef up the numbers. It's not enough beefing. It's, you can't, it, was, it won't work. I can assure you, in the wilderness of North America, in the territory that we call the United States, do you think there's a family group that live here that can pull out 600,000 in which six, they're all men, same family, same tribe? Family group? Bro, are we serious? <laughs> this is cap. That what the young folks said. Because sometimes you want to say, man, it's allegory. But they stretch these stories out so far. It's like capagory. We had to start, man, this is capagory. When, when somebody can tell you a dude lived in the belly of a whale, and we talk about grown adult original men will regurgitate these stories to you. A grown man can live in the belly of a whale for three whole days and the whale can vomit him out. That's capagory. It's not even allegory. That's cap. <laughs> it's not real. You have to, you have to, 
these are grown men that will regurgitate these stories. This is a verse that the brother pulled up. The queen had read this. And I'm like, man, he skipped right over to 600,000? How can you get 600,000? You had to have millions to produce 600,000. A family group? Millions had to be there. Problem is, it, they already told us they were 70 and some change that went in there. And then three generations later, three or four generations later, it's 600,000 men, not including women and kids. Bro, that doesn't, it's not hot. It's not 430 years. Let's take a look at another verse the brother pointed out. Right? Because, man, I'm like, bro. <laughs> Let's go to Deuteronomy. Right? Because he he said that the world was divided by Israel. We, we, we're, uh, Let's put the mathematics on that, right? Let's just do that. Uh, we had Deuteronomy 32. And um, before we go any further, let's just say this. Uh, shout out to our brother again uh, for putting together the work that he put up. Again, we say he did a good job. We get to see, you know, how you came to your conclusion, which is important. We want everybody to go to the brother's channel. It's called ITFR, uh, pardon me, ITFTR Network. Uh, please, beloved, subscribe. The name of the video is called Israelites Are Not All Israelites Part 8. Right? In which, you know, we can see when we have a conversation. It's just a different viewpoint. Right? Our religion here, when you come to this podcast, see, our religion is the institution of marriage. See, that's the, that's the original man's religion, right? Family, um, farming, and finances. That's our top three Fs. Family, farming, and finances. And this is how you build a nation. And uh, many of our people through uh, captivity, we have picked up on a lot of interesting religions, right? So, uh, again, we are nobody's leader, teacher, and guide. If I am uh, not saying something correct about the Semitic text, I'm okay with that. I'm not married to none of my positions about the Semitic texts. I can have one today. I can read something different and change because uh, the more you know, the more you grow, right? Uh, you know, I'm not really, I can read and have conversations about Semitic texts, but I mean, it's not my real interest to be totally honest with you. But if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. I have no problem with it. Uh, let's go to Genesis uh, 32. And pardon me, uh, Deuteronomy 32. And I think it was, it's the A first my brother pointed out. In which she was talking about how the nations were divided. And we're going to Genesis 10. We're saying the nations were divided and people were giving their lives in Genesis 10. The 70 nations, which is important. And our brother, he pulled up these verses which is very powerful verses to his position we feel like he just he he was um he was all around the right area but just like how it kind of works in religion you know 15 people can read the same verse and have 15 different viewpoints and we all would say we're well, supposed to be looked at like this and this but it's just what it is everybody got their own mind their own brain it's just what it is. It's always going to be like that. As long as people got their own mind. Right. Um, the A first saying, when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance. When did he do that? When did the Most High divided the nations? This is Genesis 10. When he separated the sons of Adam. When he separated them. This is still Genesis 10. We just That's the 70 nations. Right. He set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. This is what our brother said here. Children of Israel. Let's highlight that. All right. So we encourage our people when we do read something, we do not want them to be service readers. And we want them to really be able to break down what they are reading. When we read Genesis 10 and we looked at it together, did we see the bounds of the people that were set according to the children of Israel? Did we see that when we just looked at Genesis 10? Because other translations do not say that. This is the Masoretic text. I believe they call it the Masoretic text. This is the text of the rabbis. Let me say it that way. And it did not say that. 
when you look at other texts and translations, it says Ben Elohim, which means he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the sons of God, the Ben Elohim, not the Ben Yezadeel, the Ben Elohim. Which one fits? Which one fits? Can the children of Israel fit Genesis 10? Of course not, because we know the children of Israel didn't even exist in Genesis 10. 70 nations. How can we set the bounds by Israel? Israel ain't even, they didn't even come. They wasn't even in existence yet. Now, can we set the bounds according to the numbers of the sons of God? Of course we can. Of course we can. The 70 sons of God? Of course. But I'm going to show you why the rabbis don't play it that way. They kind of changed up on y'all. The ninth verse is going to bet it out. For the Lord's portion is his people. We're talking about Yahweh. Yahweh's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Jacob is Yahweh's inheritance. All right. The reason why, beloved, in our estimate, because we're going to give our conjecture. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're going to give our conjecture. The reason why that the sons of God is not used by rabbis is that they were going in a, in a position where they were kind of do this whole one God kind of deal. And the God of Israel is this and that. And we okay with it. It's just a translation. The sons of God fit better. Why does it fit better? Because the backdrop and when they were issued their 70 uh, the 70 nations were getting their lots, their portions, their territory, their inheritance is that they were coming from one central location, which is like Turkey. This is where the, uh, the boat mounted, right? I think the boat docked or fell on the island or whatever right there on one of the mountains in Turkey. And then traveling, right? So the Noah is, he handed the portions out. Now, in order for a, uh, a Canaanite or Kush, who was using the sons of Ham as an example, uh, Mizraim to know what to do when they get to that land, a son of God have to teach them. See, it's a difference between polytheism and nation, uh, nationalism, part of it. See, the original writers wrote this to me. This was nationalism, beloved. That means every nation had their own God. The 70 nations that we see in Genesis 10, each 70 nation had their own God their own deity, their own leader teaching God. The role of the son of God was to instruct them about how to live in that land because they won't know. Now, if we change out the son of God and we put the children of Israel, how would the children of Israel set in bounds? They, they won't know what to do. The children of Israel doesn't exist. So when Cush got to his land, how would he know how to till the ground? He don't know that ground. He don't know. He don't know what's a vegetable, what's the fruit, what's poison, what's not. How would he know? Foot wouldn't know. Nobody would know. P-Leg wouldn't know. A fox eye wouldn't know. They get into these lands, they don't know. How would they know how to live in that land unless a son of God showed them how to live in that land? Israel was not there to teach nobody how to live in no land, bro. They didn't even, didn't even exist yet. See, this is what I mean when I say, like, bro, we have to, you know what I mean? Okay, now, Nationalism is the word of the day. Why why didn't Reverend Pochop teach y'all that every nation had their own God? You know why? Because he doesn't know any better. He just repeating what the white minister tells him. Then he go to a, a seminary school and then they just they work him up and they give him a degree and they put him in front of you. This is why, beloved, if you just and this is my conjecture, right? This is my conjecture. Have you ever noticed when you look at all the world's religions, you always notice they all pretty much saying the same thing in terms of righteousness. They all pretty much saying the same thing. There's no national religion that's telling the folks, y'all can lie, y'all can steal, you can kill, you can sleep with somebody else's wife, all you want. It doesn't exist. Every single nation that got their own God, all these guys are saying the same thing. You can't lie, you can't chill, you can't cheat, you can't steal, you can't kill, you can't. Everybody's saying the same thing. It will make more sense that the people are given a son of God to go into these lands so they can know how to live on the land. Somebody had to teach you how to live in America. The crops grow different in America than they go in Nigeria. We have a... Uh, 
we have something that come out of the ground called corn. Corn grows in a certain season in the United States. You know that, right? It's a, it grows. But if I put the if I grew corn in Nigeria, what they call it maize. You know, maize grow three times a year over there. See, the the, the earth is not the same. Um, me being from Michigan, there's trees and seeds, and I can get from Florida. But if I put those palm trees, that stuff won't grow out here because the land is different. So somebody have to from Michigan have to teach you how to work the ground in Michigan. But somebody in Florida have to teach you how to work the ground in Florida. And somebody in Nigeria have to teach you how to work the ground in Nigeria because everything is not the same. So if 70 nations are getting their own lots and plot, well, you got to put the sons of God over them to teach them how to work that land. You can't put Israel over them. Israel doesn't even exist yet. They don't exist. This is why when the Israelites be, the Israelites begin to invade people's land, they're telling them, hey, don't take on these people, guys. How, how come so many folks got guys, their own guys? Where did they get these guys from? They got a wild imagination. They're just making it all up. <laughs> Greece just making it up. <laughs> the Romans just making it up. <laughs> they just coming out with these people, you know, the Arabians just making it up. The Chinese making it up. Everybody just, they making it up, huh? Let me just do this. Let me just do this. Let me do it this way. Because our brother said he likes uh, the book of Jubilee. So let's double back. Let's come back around to Jubilee. Uh, let's do chapter 15. Let's start at... Let's do 30. Let me see. 30, 31, maybe 32. Yeah, let's do it that way. So the 30th verse saying, For Ishmael and his sons and his brothers and Esau, the Lord did not cause to approach him. Listen now, this is the book of Jubilee. This is your book. And he chose them not because they are the children of Abraham, because he knew them. But he chose Israel. We're talking about Yahweh. But he chose Israel to be his people. And he sanctified it and gathered it from amongst all the children of men. For there are many nations and many peoples, and all are his. And over all he have placed, listen, spirits in authority to lead them astray from him. Let's stop. Well, no, let's pick up one more verse and then we, we come back to it. But over Israel, he did not appoint any angel or spirit. He alone is their ruler. And he will preserve them and require them at the hand of his angels and his spirits and at the hand of all his powers in order that he may preserve them and bless them and that they may be his and he may be theirs from henceforth and forever. All right, now let's stop on that. Let's back up a little bit and let's go to the part where it says, can we highlight that a little bit? And it said, and he have placed spirits in authority to lead them. These are the nations of the world away from him, away from Yahweh. They're saying the same thing is that we just, we just got off of that. Now, we don't even subscribe to the book of Jubilees. I mean, we can read all these texts. It's just what it, but the brother say he stand on that. He think the book of Jubilees is official. This is why you get Jade being the God of China. This is how you get Armazad being the God of the Armenians. This is how you get Baal. You know, Baal or some say Baal is the God of the Phoenicians, right? This is where you get like uh, Jezebel is the supposed Phoenician a princess. But in her name, Jezebel is where you get the God Baal from. So the Israelites were encouraged not to marry other women outside of the nation of Israel because other nations already had their own God. Ra is already the God of Kemet. Allah is the God of Arabia. So Yahweh is what he stands as the God of the Israelites. It's all nationalism. But if the rabbis want to write and they want to make Yahweh the chief deity, then what happens is that, well, you know what happens. <laughs> we can see what happens. <laughs> if they want to make God the chief, you know, because if you just leave the text like it was, it just shows Yahweh is just another son of God. And he has a nation Jacob, but guess what? He got no land. So in mythology, the rule of thumb, beloved, is this. 
every land had to live. Every land had a people and had a deity over the people. The only way that they can lose their lot, their property, their territory, their land is if that they commit a certain level of sins, they can be rooted out. You know, this is why when um, Yahweh, he, he met Abraham and he said to them, he's like, well, I'm going to promise you because he's talking about the land of Canaan. He's like, I'm going to promise you the land of Canaan. You dig what I mean? He's like, but it's going to be for you and your descendants. The Amorites, though, their sins, it didn't, it haven't been fulfilled yet. We know the Amorites are Canaanites, right? Once their sins have been fulfilled, they then can be rooted out of the land. So we see, you know, if we go by the book of Jubilees and then we go by the biblical text, uh, Canaan already got two strikes on him. He got two curses. He got one because his father did some funny style stuff with his dad, uh, Noah. And then, boom, Canaan get the first curse. That's the setup to take the land right there. And then you read the book of Jubilees. He's cursed twice. We know this is allegory. We know this is not real. But this is just a setup of how they were going to go in and take the man's land. Now, if we go back and just really kind of play this whole uh, Ham, Sham, and Japheth story, right? If we just kind of play it out. The land that Ham supposedly got, if we look up today, they don't really have it. The Levine has been taken. The Semitics got that. Uh, Egypt is gone. The Semitics got that. Monaco is gone. The Semitics got that. Libya is gone. The Semitics. If you kind of look at all of North Africa, the Semitics took it all. They took it all from them. But if we just go back to the brother's point of saying, well, uh, Canaan swagger jacked the land based on this verse here right in the book of jubilees and based on the other verse that we read what was that was that in deuteronomy um yeah if we go back to deuteronomy what is that like in 32 chapter this would indicate that if canaan did go to the wrong land he wouldn't even had a son of god over him to teach him how to live in the land he would have starved asap how would he know how to till that land he wouldn't even know he wouldn't know what was poisonous, what was not. He wouldn't have known. He wouldn't have known anything. But the real question should be: How come Yahweh wasn't a part of the original seventy? How what? He wasn't even in the. He was on the sideline. He was trying to get a people. Then once he got a people, he was trying to get a land. He gave them. He gave them their prescription. When it, that's what him and Moses and the elders did when it was in the desert. He's like, yo, this is the laws that y'all got to live by when y'all go into this land. Because if you don't keep these laws, you're going to lose this land like the Canaanites lost their land. But did they keep them? They didn't keep them. But again, how come he wasn't in the original 70? Why would writers translate things this way? And then other writers translate things the other way. And then you have two different. So you're going to get two different outcomes based on just the littlest translation. But then our people will say, well, they wrote it. But which one did you write, brother? Since the original people writing these books, which one is a real? Which one did you write? That's not what you do. <laughs> they write it and you pick which one that you're going to believe the most. Man, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> Love, we're gonna leave it there. Uh, there were some deeper things that we wanted to go into, but uh, I don't think we should. Uh, well, well, let me say this, let me say this before we go. I'll just say this a little bit. Um, Satan, right? The adversary, who is Satan's father? talking about satan we're talking about shaitan who is shaitan's father technically shaitan is what he's a technically he's the son of god right um <laughs> shaden uh shaitan he has the authority to because they say the devil he has the authority to steal kill and destroy right okay um what is the story about how the devil was made 
They say the devil was an angel. He was the son of God, right? And then in his heart, he got puffed up. And then he acted as if he was God to the extent that he had to be kicked out of heaven and he took a third of the lights with him, right? When you get to the new promise, you do not see nationalism. You don't see that. What you do see is the son of Mary introducing the highest vibration known in existence is the father right you don't see nationalism you see the you see everything moving to the assembly which is the congregation which is the church then you see the church having only one way to the father right so when the son of mary was teaching his disciples how to pray he said our father he didn't say our allah he didn't say our ra he didn't say our yahweh he said our father which art in heaven the only way to the father was by him the son of mary now he also says something interesting he said a bunch of things that's interesting but i'm gonna just i'm gonna just say this way right um why would the son of Mary say everybody that came before me was a thief and a robber? What does that mean when he says that? Um, why did the disciples look at the son of Mary like a redeemer? Because the disciples are Israelites. Why did they look at the son of Mary as a redeemer? Redeeming from who? Who does the Israelites belong to? Because last we checked, they did a deal with Yahweh in the mountains and they became they're his people. So how would the son of Mary redeem? Who is he redeeming Israel from? How could he be a redeemer? Because if we listen to Pochop and the son of Mary is just Yahweh made flesh. How would and then how would how would the son of Mary redeem somebody he already redeem a people he already got him he already did a deal he did a contract with him way back when at the mountain right <laughs> you know I'm telling you greater the mystery of godliness but I'm just asking the question I'm like bro if that was if if Yahweh is the son of Mary made flesh then how could the son of Mary, who is he redeeming Israel from? Who Israel is in who clutches and who hands? You dig? <laughs> listen, listen, I'll just listen. Um, how come Yahweh is not even mentioned in the new promise? He's not even mentioned. If Yahweh is the father, right? Dig that. Uh, let me ask you this, right? Let me just ask you this. Because I'm nobody's leader, teacher, and God. Ain't nobody gonna say, I, you know, but I'm just, I'm asking this. If, um, <laughs> if, um, if Yahweh is the father, why would the son of Mary say that nobody's seen the father except him? Why would he say that? He said, nobody ever seen God. This is the son of Mary talking. He said, nobody ain't ever seen the father. Now, if Yahweh's the father, I mean, you know, the Israelites seen Yahweh, bro. You know, they seen him a bunch of times. The 70 elders seen him. Moses seen him. Moses seen his feet. Moses seen his back parts. He said and kicked it with Abraham. He came into the tent. You know what I'm saying? He joked a little bit. Uh, I ain't gonna say joke. He got some straightening with Sarah because <laughs> Yahweh's was sitting in the tent with two angels. And he's telling Abram, uh, which is later current, Abraham, that, hey, man, you're going to have a child one day. And then Sarah's out of the tent. She's out of the house. She's laughing. And then he says, yeah, your wife out there laughing. And Sarah's like, no, I wasn't laughing. He got some straight. Like, yes, you did. He got some straight there. <laughs> they seen Yahweh. Why would the son of Mary come back and say, nobody have seen God at any time? We'll leave it there. You know what I mean?
Because they'll tell you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, this is the part our people love, boy. They love that when they get down deep into that mythology, that spooky stuff. Our folk love that. <laughs> the man said, everybody came before me as a thief and a robber. <laughs> The man did, the man said, listen, the man said, what kind of father, right, will uh, give their children snakes when they ask them for food? Listen, <laughs> he said, what kind of father would do that? <laughs> well, who, what father, well, what father put snakes on the folks? Listen now, <laughs> what, what? Who put snakes on the folks when they were asking for food? They said they were hungry. The food said they were hungry. They when we tired of eating this old same old thing. Who came out and put the snakes on? <laughs> Peace of black power to your family. Man, we're gonna leave it there. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so, so much for hanging out. Beloved, this is indeed Real Black Content Form Podcast. This is your brother. Until next time, man, we're gonna get it. <laughs> we'll get it with you guys later. Peace, but nothing peace. Thanks for listening. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Anchor, Spotify, and Facebook. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment on the podcast. Your opinion of what you just heard is important to the platform. So yes. Beloved, your comments are the engine and fuel to the machine. Stay blessed and have a powerful day.